You're listening to To Succeed, Just Let Go, a podcast that'll change how you think and change your life. I'm Willie Horton and I'm a psychologist. I've been helping people change their lives since 1996. Broadcasting from the French Alps and delighted to have you along. Let's take this week's step in the right direction. If you think about it, or perhaps I better say, if you reflect upon it, because we know from previous conversations that a little thinking is a dangerous thing, we are, as normal human beings, afraid of our own shadow. That's something, obviously, that I want to explore in this episode, and I'll come back to it in a minute. But we're afraid of lots of things because fear is actually hardwired into us in the same way that the fight and flight or stress response is hardwired into us. In fact, fear and the manner in which it's hardwired into us is probably a minuscule precursor to the fight and flight response. I'm afraid because of a threat. Now I can trigger the fight and flight response. It's an integral part of the way in which we developed in evolutionary times. But we're afraid in the modern age of all kinds of different things. We are afraid of being different. If you're different, you're not part of the herd. You're not part of the tribe. You're not one of the gang anymore. Your friends might discard you if you become different or if you discover that, in fact, you are different all along. You know where I'm going with this. You might be fearful of being a failure. It's kind of an obvious one if you think about it. Although it's not that obvious because most people are failures. That's a terrible thing to say, but most people will try and try and try again to change this, that or the other about their lives and fail and fail and fail again. Not in spite of their trying, but because of it. Because trying and trying hard means I don't believe. We talked about belief last week. It means I don't deserve. It means I don't believe that I can get what I'm trying to get. And therefore, I have to push harder and harder and harder. And as we know from previous conversations, you simply will not achieve that in which you do not believe. You will not achieve anything that you can't see yourself achieving or perhaps we've discussed before, have already seen yourself achieving in your mind's eye by having set your mind to achieve the outcomes that your heart desires, or even better, perhaps the outcomes that are best for you. We're afraid to change. Now, I talked to somebody a couple of weeks ago who is trying to convince his other half that she needs to take the leap into the world of self-employment that he took a few years ago because he works about a third of the time that he used to work. He earns twice what he used to earn. And she could do exactly the same thing in the same field instead of being stressed out all the time, shouting at the kids, her health suffering as a result of her being stressed. She knows she can do it. A number of her friends and colleagues have also taken this supposed leap. And yet she will not do it because despite 
even every logical argument under the sun, including the verification that this is a financial no-brainer. She's afraid of change. She's afraid of change because change separates us from the herd. It makes us different. She's afraid of change because change requires bravery and courage. Or at least we think it requires bravery and courage. People have often said to me, God, that was an incredibly brave and courageous thing that you did in 2002, uprooting a family of three young children, they were 13, 11 and 8 at the time, and moving lock, stock and barrel to France. And I've said to anybody who has ever said that to me, there was nothing brave or courageous about it. In fact, it didn't even take a decision. It simply became the obvious next thing to do because we were in flow and we were trusting our gut instinct at the time. People only think that bravery and courage are required to do anything that will change their lives. And they think that way because fear of change is built into us. When we do anything that the thinking mind thinks is brave and courageous, we step outside the norm. We step outside our comfort zone. Now, as an aside, most people's comfort zones are very uncomfortable indeed. An awful lot of people, for example, will buy themselves things or say things to themselves to convince themselves that they're having a good time. I'm talking about positive affirmations there. And basically what they're doing is putting up lovely posters of places that they'd love to go on holidays on the wall of the prison cell that their thinking mind has created for them without realizing that, first of all, the door to the prison cell isn't locked. It could walk out at any time. And then ultimately they realize through the development of their own awareness that there is no prison cell at all. They can go to all the wonderful places that their thinking mind could only imagine in posters on their prison cell wall. But change to the thinking mind requires bravery and courage. Change to the thinking mind is dangerous. But then change to the thinking mind that was wired to be alert to threat gives rise to fear. We're wired to be afraid of anything that will bring about change in any aspect of our lives. One of the things that I find intriguing when talking with people, I've been doing it for over 27 years at this stage, is that one of the things that people are most afraid of is fear of success. First of all, success makes you different because as we said a minute ago, normal crazy people are all failures. They're all happy being failures. They're all in it together being failures. So success makes you different. Success separates you from the herd. Success might put you outside the tribe to which you thought you belonged. Success will be sneered upon by some of your so-called friends. Most of the people with whom you are acquainted would be horrified 
if you were to succeed. Indeed, and it's a terrible thing to say, very many people that you know would take great pleasure from you failing again. Why? Because it makes them feel comfortable. It makes them feel that it's okay to stay in their not-so-comfortable comfort zone. It makes them feel that all is well in the world of the normal crazy herd, where we're just trotting along together and nothing really ever changes. An awful lot of people have said to me over the years, what if I'm a success? How will my friends look on me then? Because I'll be different. And obviously the answer is that those people who would look on you differently are not your friends at all. But then again, by virtue of the fact that your success will be as a result of your discovering more about yourself, you will begin to realize that the rejection on the part of your friends, they're rejecting you, is nothing more than a logical follow-on from the way in which the normal mind works to ensure that we all remain together in a tribe, on the one hand, and on the other hand, it is part and parcel of how your own mind actually operates, particularly if you are still tethered to the world of thought, even on an on-off basis. This goes back to the point I made right at the beginning of this week's episode, though we're afraid of our own shadows. I often recollect a conversation that I had a number of years ago with somebody who asked me, what I thought of personality tests, specifically what I thought of the Myers-Briggs personality type indicator, and then went on to further annoy me by asking me what I thought of Insights Discovery. The Insights Discovery one is a dumbed down version of the Myers-Briggs personality type indicator. It'll tell you whether you're red, green, blue, or yellow. <laughs> as if we could fit into any box well actually now that i say that people i talked about prison cells a minute ago people have put themselves in a box by virtue of the way in which they allow their ordinary minds box them in trap them entrap them and encourage them to stay entrapped along with all the other trapped souls around them too Having calmed down after being asked the questions to what I thought of personality tests, I made the point to my questioner that a personality test at best will give you some sense of the long shadow cast by your personality. Or if we can use the language that we're accustomed to using here in this podcast or with my online program owners, a personality test will measure, if it measures anything at all, and I'll come back to that in a minute, will measure the shadow cast by your conceptual self. In other words, it's measuring smoke and mirrors. It's measuring nothing that really exists at all. When we use our minds normally, when we are fearful, we are indeed fearful of that shadow. Or we're perhaps fearful of losing our shadow. 
I recollect another conversation that I had with somebody many years ago who had booked on what was at the time a three-day face-to-face workshop in Dublin and then didn't turn up. And when he eventually turned up, I asked him what had taken him so long. And unlike some other people who had said they were afraid that if they discovered who they really were, that they might lose their friends, which is something that we've actually been talking about here today. This particular individual said he was afraid to discover how powerful his own potential might be. We're afraid of our own shadow when we're using our minds normally for the simple reason that our shadow doesn't want us to go where our heart desires. Our shadow is our tormentor. Our shadow is our boss. And by that, I mean the shadow is the person who has actually regulated your life until you realized that all it was was a shadow. It wasn't really you at all. Now, I said I'd come back to personality tests for just a moment. I don't know why anybody would bother doing a personality test because it doesn't measure anything that is meaningful to you in your life or the way in which you would like your life to progress. Now, I know some organizations, perhaps in the recruitment process or even in the internal appraisal process, will insist that you do one of these uh, questionnaires. (laughs) Even that is giving them some form of respectability. If you look on the Myers-Briggs website, and I don't think the Insights Discovery Program has it on their website, but if you look on the Myers-Briggs website, somewhere in the small print, it'll say that this kind of test shouldn't be used in a recruitment process or an appraisal process. Indeed, if you look at the documentation from the American Psychological Association and indeed the British Psychological Society, based on an enormous amount of research in relation to what that research calls unethical practices with regard to personality tests. You will find that there is a government health warning, so to speak, that personality tests should never be used on anybody within the context of employment. But there we are. It's a whole industry based on measuring something that isn't there. Can't remember who the poet was. Yesterday upon the stair, I met a man who wasn't there. I met that man again today. I wish that man would go away. We're talking about the shadows and dust, smoke and mirrors of who we thought we were. And we are, when we are using our minds normally, afraid to step out of our shadow. So really what we've been talking about for the last few minutes is the fact that fear is as built into us as stress. And fear, if you consider what we've said before about stress, is almost identical to stress. Indeed, it's a pre-trigger of stress in many situations. Fear is something that is a construct of the way in which our thinking mind kicks us around the place, knocks us over, kicks us when we're down, and ensures that we stay in our box because it's safe in our box, that we run with the herd because it's safe to run with the herd, because there's comfort in being part of the tribe. It's safer to be in the tent peeing out than outside the tent on the run, perhaps from something that will have picked you off as a result of the fact that you're not in the tent anymore. 
But before we go any further, I want to come back to how the fear of success is even more firmly built into us than perhaps the fear of failure. If I were a predator, what would give me greater pleasure? Picking off some weakling on the edge of the herd and savaging him to death? Nobody'd say to me, oh, weren't you great to actually pick up that lame deer at the back of the herd? Or savaging the stag that was leading the herd. A predator will always take greater pleasure based on the size of the prey, the importance of the prey. And therefore, from a survival point of view, in evolutionary times, it never did to stand out. It's always safer to be behind the leader. It's always safer to cower down and not push your head above the parapet. In other words, it's hardwired into us to jolly along, and jolly is the wrong word, obviously, to scramble from one day to the next and to just get on with what we have. Now, now you see, people often talk about gratitude, you know, being thankful for what you have. And I, as you will have heard me talk before, go what I would consider to be a little step further and talk about appreciation. In other words, I'm not just grateful for what I have. I appreciate what I have. Or indeed, I appreciate the wonder of this moment. A normal crazy person will take and interpret the word gratitude as being thankful for small mercies. That is not what I ever talk about when I talk about gratitude or appreciation. It is being fully appreciative of the fact that I am taking this breath. I got an email from somebody over the last couple of days. One of her parents had passed away and she said she was there when they took their last breath. And she said, it just really hammers home the importance of breath and the importance of appreciating this breath. We need to appreciate not what we have because we're stuck with it. We need to appreciate the magic of the moment. We need to appreciate the joy of the moment. But we need to realize that if we were to just do that and sit still and wander aimlessly from one day to the next as part of the herd, we're not just selling ourselves short, we're selling those around us short. We're selling those we love short. We're selling the universe short because the universe needs us to be great. God knows. If you look at the state of the world at the moment, the world needs leaders. The world needs people who are, I was going to say fearless, but actually what the world needs is people who have their head screwed on, who are present enough to realize there is no fear, who are adventurous enough to, on the one hand, appreciate the small breath of just this moment. And on the other hand, the grand act of breathing in and out of the universe as an integral part of the universe. You must bear in mind that without 
our little bit of the universe, your little bit of the universe, the universe wouldn't exist. We don't need to be fearless because there's no fear. That's like saying we need to be stress-free. Why bother even putting stress in, the, in a word, stress-free? Because there's no such thing as stress. We don't need to do anything other than turn up to our lives in the here and now. And now, in a general sense, why we have turned up to our lives in the here and now. Now, this is a stumbling block for an awful lot of people who are not just fearful of change, not just fearful of failure, not just fearful of being stuck, not just fearful of being a success. People are often afraid to handwrite a perfect moment in case they write the wrong thing. Listen to the phrase that I used a minute ago. We need to know the direction in which we would love our lives to go in a general sense. In other words, we need to know the experiences we would love to have in abundance in our lives. We need to understand and handwrite about what those perfect moments would feel like and look and sound like. We need to set our minds to greatness. Because as I said a minute ago, the universe needs us to be great. I'm not talking about being an instantly recognized world leader or an institute, I should say, recognizable world leader. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about you leading your life so that everybody knows your name. I'm not talking about the nonsense that goes with the ego of most leaders. Ego being another word for the shadow that we talked about a little earlier on, the conceptual self, the personality. I'm not talking about gratifying our shadow. I'm not talking about gratifying our personality. I'm talking about being great by turning up, being great by being here, being great by, as a client of mine says, uh, she works in an environment which is <laughs> chaotic. Uh, somebody who turns up and spreads the calm, who spreads the joy. That's what I'm talking about. And that is our calling. That is our destiny. And if you fall short of that, you should question the way in which you are moving forward. Now, if I was using ordinary language, I would have said you should be ashamed of yourself. But being ashamed of yourself is thinking about the fact that you have fallen short. And we don't want to go there. But what I am saying is that if you're not leading a great life here and now, then you are shortchanging yourself and those around you and the world at large. A great life is a present life. A great life is one that is replete with joy, one where you're happy. Now, there's an ordinary everyday word that people kind of sneer at. You know, who wants to be happy? You know, imagine, you know, being employed by an organization, as I have by many organizations over the years, to help their leadership team be happy. That's what they were actually employing me for. That's what I was doing with them, because isn't that what all of us wants? We all want to be happy. Success is a subset of happiness, and happiness is a subset of joy. And joy 
is the turning up to the here and now, the appreciation of the here and now, the being in the here and now, and allowing ourselves and our energy flow in the here and now, and allowing our flow take us where it will. I'm not talking about going with the flow. That phrase in its ordinary everyday use means I'll just be tossed around life's river like a leaf or a branch that has been broken off a tree. I'm talking about steering our own course in flow, creating flow. Because as we know from previous conversations, when we do turn up to the here and now, when we do begin to sense our greatness, when we realize the wonder and the joy of the here and now, when we're in that situation, we don't just, as we've said before, spot opportunities. We don't just recognize opportunities. We don't just recognize opportunities as something that is for us and therefore a synchronicity. We're the creator, the co-creator of these opportunities and synchronicities because our head is in the right place. And your head is only ever in the right place if the place in which you now currently find your head is in the here and now. So if stress doesn't exist and fear doesn't exist, that means all the little subsets, for example, of fear don't exist either. Worry, for example, because worry is afraid that something that you don't want to happen will happen. It's another form of fear. It's on the fear spectrum, if I could put it like that. We need to let all this stuff go away. It's actually even simpler than that, because if it isn't there, it doesn't even need to go away. We just need to turn up to the here and now. That's all we need to do. And as I said earlier on, we need to turn up to the here and now mindful. In a general sense of the kind of life that we would love to live, not off sometime in the future. But now, because whether you realize it or not, this is it. Now, of course, the more you turn up to the here and now, the more that realization will dawn upon you. The more deeply, therefore, you will appreciate the wonder, the joy and the happiness of the here and now. This is all about state of mind. It's not about what's going on around you. It's not about having stuff. It's not about having goals even. It's not about striving for stuff. It is about being in the here and now, knowing because you've set your mind in a general sense as to the greatness that you want to experience in your life, that you are moving effortlessly in that direction by virtue of the fact that you have turned up in the here and now. So we all know what we need to do. We all know how to do it. We all know that meditation restructures the brain so that we do turn up to the here and now, so that we transform those parts of the brain that were hardwired for fear and stress into parts of the brain that are hardwired to obviously notice threat because there's threats all around us all the time, but more importantly, to be a co-creator of the opportunity and synchronicity that will lead us and those around us to places that the shadow of which we thought we were afraid could never imagine. Hope you got a little something out of this 
today. Indeed, I hope you're getting a little something out of these various podcasts. And we'll probably talk again next week. Although at some point along the way, over the coming weeks or months, I'll probably take a little break from podcasting. You have been warned, therefore. And therefore, you know, you need to remember that you have nearly 140 podcasts behind you at this stage as well. You have over 800 little videos as well. You have a load of stuff to fall back on, which will support you to enable you live your very best life now. You've been listening to To Succeed, Just Let Go. To get involved, join me in my Facebook group, strangely enough called To Succeed, Just Let Go. And for more information, visit www.willie-com 